You're listening to the Soul Career Podcast, the podcast that brings you stories from people who've taken a risk to discover careers that fill them with purpose and make them come alive. I'm your host, Lysandra Ricketts. Now for the episode. Today, I'm joined by Marianne Daura, communications business partner for sustainability at IKEA. Marianne is an American living in Denmark whose job is based in Sweden. (laughs) I met Marianne when she joined the Soul Career program as a client and she is one of our amazing success stories. We actually mentioned Marianne in our March podcast episode with Yasmina Zaidman. Uh, Marianne is working in social impact, sustainability communications at IKEA. So I'm really happy to have her on the show as a guest. Welcome to the podcast, Marianne. Hi, Alessandra. Thanks. Happy to be here. I'm so happy when I get to have former clients on the podcast that those are like my favorite episodes, actually. So <laughs> I say that for everyone, but yeah. Okay. So I love all my, all my guests. <laughs> okay. So I always like to start with what exactly are you doing now as a communications business partner for sustainability at IKEA? Yeah. Um, yeah, so my role um, with IKEA is basically I'm here to advise and support the, the business in its strategic objectives, and those are related to sustainability. And my area specifically is focused on the social impact that we have in different communities and on uh, different groups of people uh, basically around the world. Um, I work with a team of amazing people who are super, super dedicated and I'm just there to provide some strategic direction and some basically advice and where I see that we can do things better or in a slightly different way or, you know, that kind of thing, just to make sure that we have the most impact possible. Okay. So what exactly does that mean though? So does that mean like writing press releases? Does that mean going to the communities that IKEA helps to serve? Like what exactly does that mean? Yeah, uh, great question. So really what this is, is um, so my function is within the global, it's, it's a global function. So we, I'm not specifically out in the communities, but you know, we, we work with um, a lot of different areas. So like looking at our supply chain, for instance, um, we have some guidelines um, that we use to make sure that we, you know, don't create negative impact and basically making sure that we can provide decent uh, employment along the way. So it's um, part of my job is about sort of risk assessment. It's about um, looking at gaps that we might not have considered or looking at the ways that we communicate, making sure that we come across very clearly or making sure that we uh, are coming across in the best way, sort of like positioning ourselves as the purpose-led brand and company that we you know, really want to be in this world. Um, so a lot of my work is really about advising different functions on some of the communications that they want to put out. Um, And in some cases, it could be advising them to maybe we don't communicate about this just yet, because, you know, maybe we're not we're not ready. Maybe, you know, it might be a great initiative, but, you know, we need the proof points to prove what we've actually done, you know, so that we don't come across like we are greenwashing or, you know, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's um yeah I'm not re- I'm not so much hands on like feet on the ground soldier but you know like sort of like in the background sort of strategically like looking at our our uh, positioning. Okay, wonderful. So what are some of the comms that have come out that you're particularly proud of or some of the projects that IKEA is working on in sustainability that you're like really proud that you were a part of that? 
Um, we've had, well, it's, um, it, it's a little bit difficult to say because a lot of the stuff that I'm working on right now, it's stuff that will be coming out. So I don't want to speak too soon uh, because, you know, it's not quite public yet. But we're look, working on a lot of big things. Um, we're looking at a, our approach to how we actually have an impact in society and on uh, the neighborhoods. So we're looking at different ways. So we're looking at broadly, like, how do we provide better homes for people, you know, making sure that people have adequate housing. Um, we have an initiative called A Place Called Home, where we're, you know, we're working to make sure that people have um, access to decent homes and, and spaces where the, that they can call home. Um, sometimes it's um, a matter of uh, maybe it's a shelter, making sure that, you know, the if the shelter is um, adequately furnished and, you know, things are, are uh, up to standard. Um, we also have an initiative where we are working with, um, we're aiming to increase uh, inclusion for refugee populations. Mm. So we have an initiative called Skills for Employment, where we uh, work to uh, help integrate refugees into local society. So like helping to give them local language skills or um, provide them with skills for employment, either like within Ikea or within some other uh, retail entity. So it's not, you know, we're not guaranteeing them jobs at Ikea, but, you know, providing them the skills to get employed in this kind of work, if that's what they are interested in. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's another area that I'm, you know, I'm really super proud of. Um, uh, along the lines of the refugee thing, we're also working at how we can change the narrative around refugees. And that's a, sort of like a big, very long-term strategic plan uh, that we're working on, a three-year plan. So we're fine-tuning that right now. So um, just uh, watch this space. I can't say too much more on that. But um, yeah. No, that was a lot because really I did not know IKEA was doing all of that. Like, So it's really good to hear because what we heard about on the episode with Yasmina was more the entrepreneurial stuff that IKEA is yeah. doing. So you're telling us mm -hmm. about housing and refugees. Um, that's really, really interesting and really good for us to know uh, corporate philanthropy um, in action. So what do you love the most about your job right now? Um, the thing I love the most is having this opportunity to really contribute to something bigger and broader than myself. I'm somebody who it's really important for me. I just, I can't go to work just for a paycheck. Like I need to know that what I'm doing actually has a bigger impact on humanity and society. And I'm really, I'm really energized by all of the different projects that I'm working on because it's stuff that I really, really believe in. So um, yeah, I would say that's the thing I love the most. And that's a great segue into your psychometric results, right? Which I love to talk about on the podcast. Um, your Myers-Briggs is INFJ, which 16personalities.com classifies as the advocate. But people with the NF personality types, like I mentioned in my March podcast episode, NF personality types really are drawn to the social impact space. And you and I are both examples of that, right? I'm an ENFP yeah. or an INFJ, both drawn to this space of impact. Um, so you are a former client of Soul Career, and I think we had some part to play in you finding a Soul Career. So why did you join our program and what kind of transformation did you experience as a result of it? <laughs> it's um yeah that's a that's a great question and it's it's a funny story it's so random how I actually came across soul career it was um 
I was in the process of leaving a, a previous job, which now looking back, I can see was definitely not the right fit for my you know, personality and my motivations. And I was really trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do next? And I was kind of at a point where I was starting to get burnt out and thinking, okay, corporate life is not for me. Like, this is not fulfilling the, you know, um, so I was trying to figure out what am I going to do? And I actually went to get like a consultation for, um, to start my own business. Cause I was thinking, okay, maybe I just need to work for myself. So, um, I met this woman who, um, is, uh, connected to a former boss of mine. Um, and she was giving out these consultations and I told her about, you know, my background and, you know, what my aspirations and, I have this idea of like, I want to create this business that has a positive social impact, but I don't know what that is yet. Like, I don't know what the product is. And she was like, maybe, maybe you need to actually like figure out what it is that motivates you and what you want to do. And she's the one who actually told me about you. I think she met you on a plane somewhere, something yeah, random like that. that. This is how you found out about Soul Korea. Yeah, no, I met her at a conference, a social impact conference in New York years ago, right. like 2014. And she actually lives in Denmark. I don't even think I knew at that time that she lived in Denmark. I came from Jamaica. She came from Denmark. And we met at this conference briefly, just one point in time, connected on LinkedIn. And I guess she saw all the Soul Career posts on LinkedIn. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so I I think it was just meant to be. That was so, so random. But yeah, so I um, reached out to you because I was like, okay, maybe you can help me figure out what it is that I want to do with my life. And um yeah, so that's how I got started with the program. And how were we a part of this incredible journey to where you are now loving this job in social impact at IKEA? Yeah, um, well, there's so many ways that you were able to impact that. I think one of the things is obviously you gave me some sort of like strategic tips in terms of my job search. But I think the thing that really helped me the most was like it was really about a mind shift, like a um, mindset shift. So. I was able to look at things differently and figure out, cause like I said, I came into this thinking maybe, maybe corporate life is not for me, right? But here I am working for a corporation and I'm loving it. So it was really about looking at, okay, there are companies out there that are doing good things that are doing big things that, you know, actually positively impact society. I was just blocking myself and how I was looking at, at the world. So I think, you know, working with you helped me to like open up to different possibilities. I know at some point I started looking at, you know, opening my uh, search to other places, other countries, you know, remote working, for instance, right? Um, and I, I had gone to school in Sweden. I did a master's in Sweden. So I lived there for a little while. But when I moved to Denmark, I just assumed, you know, I can't work in Sweden. I'm in Denmark now. So like just even that, just like having that mental block thinking, well, that's that's not a thing. So I didn't really consider IKEA at the time, but you working with you really opened my eyes to, okay, there are other possibilities. Stop those limiting beliefs that you have, you know, and uh, just open up and see what happens. So I think that was really the key thing for me. Yeah. What I remember, you were part of a group that joined at the height of the pandemic. Like the pandemic was raging. Everywhere was in lockdown. Um, you joined, I think, in April of 2020. And then we saw the George Floyd protests in, in the U.S. So it was a very tumultuous time. And you had just left your job and you had a young baby and you were worried about finding another job. And it was a very tumultuous time. I remember 
And what I remember yeah. about you in particular is you were present every day. You went all in, especially in the mindset, the self-discovery part of the program, which I think is the most important, just getting clarity about what's important to you. Because as you said, you were interested in entrepreneurship. You were very like against corporate <laughs> at one point and really just opening your eyes to actually I love impact and there are places that will allow me to do that while giving me a steady stable consistent income and the lifestyle that I need to support my family um, so that's what I really remember of that period of tumult and yet beautiful things came out of that period yeah yeah that's that's so true yeah it was a very well, it was a time and it was, you know, parts of it were really painful, but you know, that was like a beautiful transformation. And, you know, it's, I think it was the starting point of this like transformation for me there. So like, even today, there's things that I'm unlearning and, you know, I'm, I'm learning new things about myself. So it was a uh, really eye-opening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that brings me to your journey before all of that. So you are an American living in Denmark, working in Sweden, as I mentioned, you never mm -hmm. thought that, you know, living in Denmark, you thought Sweden was closed off to you, but you're doing that remotely. Um, tell us about that first. And then I want to go further back into your journey into how you got here. So what's it like working remotely from Denmark for a company based in Sweden? Yeah, well, I do work um, in Sweden. So my office is based in Sweden. So I go, I do travel over to Sweden a few times a week. Um, but I am I work from home sometimes, but it's it's a really easy commute. It's, it takes like 45 minutes um, to get from Copenhagen to my office. So that's not that's not bad. But it was because, um, like you said, I'm, I'm sort of like a citizen of the planet. I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, like I'm, I live in Denmark, but I work in Sweden. So there's, I mean, there's um, additional, there's additional challenges, logistical challenges, but there's a lot of flexibility, which is really great. And I think also this, the fact that we are in this pandemic, you know, a lot more companies are open to the idea of, yeah, obviously people can work from home. So it's not so much about where you are, but um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going across, yeah. And it's yeah. a dream of a lot of people. I think European companies, even more so than American ones, are open to hiring globally now coming out of the pandemic. And slowly but surely, the American ones are coming on board too. not just looking at Americans for those jobs, but looking globally because the talent pool is global. And you'd self-describe mm -hmm. as a global citizen. So tell us that journey. Where were you born? How did you get to where you are today? I want to hear the whole story. <laughs> yeah, my story is one that's not straightforward, but um, I, uh, I was born in Zambia, um, and I, but I grew up in the States, so my parents were studying in the U.S., my dad was doing a PhD, and my mom was doing her master's, so I grew up in the U.S., and then uh, when I was a teenager, we moved from, from America, we moved to Zambia, so I lived in Zambia for four years during high school, great time to move away from all your friends, mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> It was um, now looking back, I mean, it was obviously difficult because I didn't want to leave my friends at the time, you know, um, but looking back, I'm so glad that that was my experience because I think it taught me how just how big the world is, you know, it's much more than, you know, where you grow up or, you know, so um, I got to experience living in Zambia and I went to a British boarding school in Zambia. So pour in another culture there. Um, after high school, I moved to Australia to what study is, law. 
So did you finish high school in Zambia? I did. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I did. Okay. And where in the U.S. Yeah. did you grow up? So I grew up in, in a small town called Morgantown, West Virginia. Oh, and okay. it's a university town. Um, and then, yeah, so my parents were studying there and that's where I grew up. And then I moved to Zambia and I went to high school in Zambia and then finished high school in Zambia. And then I went to Australia for undergrad. Yeah. So tell us yeah. about that. Wow. So why did you pick Australia from Zambia? <laughs> <laughs> this is, um, I wish I had found you like 20 years ago. So, um, at the time, <laughs> At the time, I was finishing high school, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to do, I had a broad idea that maybe I wanted to do business, and I thought, okay, I'll do like an MBA or something. But uh, growing up in America with immigrant parents, we had the option of one of you has to be a lawyer, and one of you has to be a doctor. <laughs> so my whole life, I kind of grew up with this idea that I guess I'm going to be a lawyer, and then I'll do an MBA later, you know. Um, so I was... Um, in high school, I, you know, I got good grades and I, you know, was, um, I was on the right path to, to going to law school and everything was aligned, but I just didn't have the, um, the right connection to it. Um, so I did go to Australia to do law and I did three years of law school and then had a crisis of conscience and realized that I don't, if you want to do law, I think you have to be committed and connected to it because otherwise you'll just end up an ambulance chaser and you know you really have to have that passion to sustain it and that it just it wasn't me so I um I want to stop there because so many immigrant parents want the best for their kids and we mm -hmm. grew up in the generation of lawyer doctor engineer and if all mm -hmm. fails, banker <laughs> those are <laughs> okay yeah. um, and i really want to talk to college kids and parents and say if we can have an intervention that early where we have a personality psychometric based career path there's a lot mm -hmm. more joy in that journey and a lot more success when you are connected and love the path that you're on because the way the exactly. world is changing now it's about building things and and building yourself and you have to have that interest to have the longevity yeah. space to make the biggest yeah change. absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah so you had that so crisis. i discovered it the hard way <laughs> yeah. what happened so I went, I, I went for three years of law school and then um, let's say there was a situation, um, not going to name names, but I had a, a roommate at the time who basically copied my assignment and handed it in at the same time. Um, and so we both got in trouble for plagiarism. Wow. And it was so frustrating because on that piece of paper, you were supposed to pretend to be a solicitor. And I had written on the paper, Dara Associates, which is my last name. So obviously, you know, I'm like, that's your evidence. That is my paper. Mm -hmm. But they decided to fail us both. And the course, we, I know, we had to vote, we had to retake the course for an additional year. So it was a, a year long course, which was going to add one more year to my, to my degree. And I just, I couldn't do it. I just, wow. I was like, no, I'm, I can't. This is, that was my, that was my exit. I was like, I can't do this. I can't commit any more time to this thing that I don't love. So um, <laughs> I had to shift course and I decided to go back to the States to finish my undergrad. And 
ended up swapping to business. And then I decided to do marketing because I was really interested in the sort of human element, like the decisions that people make and why, um, you know, why consumers behave in certain ways. So I thought, okay, let me try marketing, just get a degree. I can do something with it right down the line. So, um, yeah, so I swapped to, I swapped to that. And then, um, I worked for a little bit in that, but I started off in sales and in like in the retail industry and it was, it was fine, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for. It didn't have that, like the right people element to it. Um, so then I decided to take, um, I did another degree. So I went and did a master's so and, um, that, when yeah. you came back, where did you go to, where did you finish your undergrad? So I ended up going back to West Virginia. Okay. So yeah, I kind of took it as an opportunity to go back because I, at the time I really missed the States. So I was like, let me just go back and uh, yeah, feel and better what, about that. What school? So I went to WVU, uh, okay. West Virginia University. All right. So I finished there. Yeah. Um, and then I... Um, master's. Where did you do your master's? So I did, I did a master's at uh, Valparaiso University. And I did it in international policy and commerce, which is like international economics and uh, international policy. And um, that was really interesting, uh, but we really, um, the at the time we were really, really focused on US-China relations. And for me, I wanted a much more international perspective. Yeah. So I thought to myself, if I want to get a really international perspective, I think I need to study outside of the States. So I ended up, stopping that. And then I moved to Sweden. I found a program in Sweden. Hmm. So that's how I ended up in Europe. Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. So that's an interesting story because, you know, you don't get a lot of success stories in parents' minds, right? In the minds of parents, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. you have to start something and finish it. And that's how you're a success. But you actually yeah. started, stopped, started something new, finished that and then got your master's in something else. So you were experimenting throughout this time. So do how do you think yeah. experimentation kind of benefited you? I think one thing, it's given me so many different experiences and so many different knowledge bases, right? So I think if I look at my job now, right, I can I, I walk into it and I have points of reference for so many different areas mm -hmm. because I've ex been experienced in so many different ways, right? So I've, I've been in, in so many different industries. I, I worked in an NGO. I worked in retail before. I uh, worked at the UN. We'll get to that. I worked in corporate and, and now I'm back in retail, but with the social um, impact side of it, right? Mm -hmm. So in a way, like all of those different touch points has given me really unique um, experiences that I can draw on in my, in my work today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So ended up in Sweden, you finished your master's in what mm -hmm. specifically? So I did international marketing and brand management. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then what happened next? And then I, I was between a job in Stockholm or a job in, in Copenhagen. And I really liked Copenhagen. I had been across from from Sweden during my studies a lot because um, it's it's very close by and very international city. And um, I ended up getting a job and an apartment all in the same week, which is unheard of in the Copenhagen market. So I think the universe again aligned right for me because I, I 
I haven't left. I've been here for eight years now. So after that moment, I, yeah, so I, I stayed and um, just, just built my life from here. Yeah. And you got married and yeah. you had a baby and so on. So how mm -hmm. does the UN factor, did you work for the UN from Copenhagen? How does that factor mm -hmm. in? Okay. Yeah. So um, while I was in, while I was here in Copenhagen, I got an opportunity. Um, it's, uh, I actually was, now I was looking for a, a job where I wanted to use my, you know, marketing communications, but I also wanted to do something positive for the world. So um, during the time that I was back in the States doing my master's, right after my master's, I worked for an NGO for a little while and I liked that. Um, but it was, you know, very small scale and, you know, very dependent on donor funding, which similar to the UN, but, you know, um, but I wanted to get back to that a little bit. And so I, I found this posting for a job um, as a communications assistant, and it was in an organization that was working for um, sexual and reproductive health rights, which was really, really interesting to me because, you know, it has a really big impact on women and, and larger communities they're from, right? So um, I found this post and the position was, the deadline had gone. It was like a month old and I saved it on my computer. I was like, that would have been perfect for me. And then two months later, a friend of mine sent me a job post. She was like, I think this would be good for you. And I looked at it and I was like, that's the same job that I had saved. And I, um, I almost dismissed it. I was like, well, that's, that's done. But what they did was they reposted it. They reopened the, 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 the posting. So they were still looking for somebody. So I applied for that and then I got that job, which again was 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 perfect. Yeah. So um, that's how I got into the UN. And um, I worked there for, for a few years and I really loved it. I loved all of my colleagues. You know, it's such a great group of people um, who really, really want to do good things in the world. And I really love that. But the as much as I love the UN, it's uh, I found myself getting a little bit frustrated with the speed with which we were able to do things. And maybe that's the entrepreneur in me who wants to like create and, and do things, you know? Um, so I got a little bit frustrated there and I thought to myself, okay, I had experience in the NGO world and now I've done the UN. I'm very, you know, like sort of liberal left-leaning. Maybe I need to get some experience in the corporate world, see how they do things, you know, and move things quickly, right? So I decided to step out of the UN and go into corporate world, into the corporate world, uh, which was a good for me in that I learned a lot, um, again, building on my experience in, um, in different fields. Um, but it also taught me that there needs to be an element of social impact to the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just mm -hmm. looking back at your LinkedIn profile now. So you knew very early on from your global experience, you lived all over the world, you knew that you wanted to be in the impact space straight out of the school, basically. But in the impact space, as you mentioned, it can be bureaucratic, it can mm -hmm. be slow moving, it can be political, dependent on governments, um, mm -hmm. interventions. And so you wanted to taste the corporate world to see what that was like. And in the corporate world, you realize, no, you really need a mission. You really need an impact because the psychometrics, the personality always shows, in my opinion, you can compensate for some aspects of your psychometrics with training and with effort. But over the long term, over time, pieces of you will always try to emerge. The real you will always try to emerge. And so my philosophy mm -hmm. is 
is you need to acknowledge and honor the real you from the beginning and and really generate momentum in that path and that's where the rewards the financial rewards are uh, because can I even say that you're well compensated in your role right now <laughs> <laughs> and that's so it, important yeah it, it, it worked out well for me and and you're and you're absolutely right even during my stint in in corporate world um one of the things that I did was I helped to implement one of the, co the company's first uh, sustainability initiatives. So we were, you know, working towards fighting plastic pollution. And that really energized me, you know, like getting to do that kind of work. And I realized that I need to do this in my everyday. So I need more of this. So yeah, that was another driving force. And I think that was like my inner self really coming out, even in that scenario. Exactly. So my advice to people who are thinking about their soul careers is always to go back to your true self. What is it always called towards and really honor that and go for it and stop trying to suppress parts of you because doing that, you suppress your revenue, your earning potential in my, in my opinion. Okay. So we heard about the good parts of the story and some bad parts with that plagiarism, um, Wow. Yeah, no, that's really traumatic to go through something like that so young. So what would you say, apart from that story, what are the biggest challenges that you faced in your career and how did you overcome them? It's always a challenge to be, you know, like to be an outsider coming in. Right. So like I'm an immigrant in this country. Right. And the immigrant experience is is um, it's 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 got its own challenges in terms of just entering the labor force, right? So at points I've been very lucky and, you know, like jobs have kind of worked out very quickly. But, you know, after my first job in Copenhagen, it took me about eight months to get another job, even though I had the experience, you know, um, and it's, it's, um, I think that's, I think one of the ways that I've been able to overcome it is like the, the persistence that I have and also knowing that I've experienced so many different things, uh, it's like, okay, this is a phase. This is what's happening right now. It's not going to be forever. Well, that's a tough, tough thing that I want to discuss a little bit. Um, when mm -hmm. you are looking for work for more than four months uh, and the mm -hmm. toll that that takes on your emotions, that search mm -hmm. can be very, very difficult. Um, and you know, I read this book called The Year of Living Danishly because at the time the book was written, Denmark was the happiest place on earth. And a big mm -hmm. part of that is they have a very strong social safety net. So you do yeah. get an income even when you're searching for a job. But even mm -hmm. with that social safety net, it can be mm -hmm. challenging. So what was the most challenging part of that time for you, would you say? Because I'm sure a lot of people coming out of the pandemic are going through that right now. Yeah, it's 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 really tough, and I am I am very privileged and very lucky because I do live in Denmark, and there are social safety nets. So I was lucky enough that I had um, unemployment insurance. Um, so during the time that I was unemployed, I had some income coming in from the unemployment insurance. It wasn't enough to cover everything, but you know it it covered the the basics, right? So that was very lucky. But I'm I'm somebody who despite my entrepreneurial tendencies and the way I've moved around a bit, I do, you know, crave some financial stability, right? Um, and that can be very, very stressful for a lot of people. 
And so like knowing that I was always just a little bit short on being able to like, you know, cover the bills and stuff. And then the added pressure of, you know, I had, I have a small child at the same time. And then you start judging yourself. It's like, okay, was I being very selfish in, in stepping away from, you know, a job just because, you know, it, it didn't really feed my soul. But at the same time, I realized that I'm not going to be my best self if I'm ever, you know, working in this situation every day. Um, so I had to sort of take away that judgment from myself in terms of looking at, you know, was I being irresponsible to walk away when I have a small child? And, you know, it's obviously worked out now. Um, things are things are really great. But I think for a lot of people in facing this sort of uncertainty in the pandemic, I think the most important thing that you can do is, yes, it's tough, but the best thing that you can do is like figure out for yourself, what's the thing that's going to drive you? What gives you energy in your everyday life? Because once you get that, and you will, if you're going with your, you know, your own drive and what's, what's, um, what's important to you, then you'll be so much better off than just sort of like accepting anything just because it's there. Exactly. And what I really glean from what you've said is that career is identity for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. That career journey, and I see it in all of my clients, it is about who you are, your self-belief, what you think your value is, what you think your worth is, and it's all about identity. And so my clients that come to Soul Career, it's not about tactics, like the tactics are a small piece of it, maybe 20% of it. It is about mm -hmm. um, the person more than anything else and that search for meaning in their work because we spend most of our lives at work. And what yeah. you did, um, going through this search during a very difficult time in world history, um, I remember that when the George Floyd protest came up, that you took a you, you had to take a break from the search and just self care during the search. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Emotion, yeah. Managing the emotional part of the journey is such an under talked about piece of a career search. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's self-care. It's 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 so important. And like you said, yeah, I, I I did have to take a break. I had to stop and, you know, just really take care of myself. It was such a such a tough time. And I think that's really important for a lot of people just to make sure that you're taking care of your yourself, your health and your mental well-being. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sure. So important. Yeah. And that's actually what we we push in the first couple of weeks of the program, because inevitably it becomes a very challenging journey the persistence it takes to make it to round three in interviews. And then, you know, another candidate was chosen and you have to start again. Um, so we always recommend you have to be working the process at all times in that search, um, especially if it's taking a longer time, if you're an immigrant in another country, for example. And mm -hmm. in order to persist, you have to take care of yourself mentally, mm -hmm. emotionally, physically, so that you have that energy to keep going in the search. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So what tips do you have? Like what three tips would you share with someone who has experimented a lot the way that you have and are mm -hmm. now trying to figure out, okay, what do I really want for myself? What is my soul career? How, what tips would you give them? I think um, one thing is, 
you really have to listen to yourself. Like stop listening to outside voices telling you what you should do. I mean, I had my parent, my mom telling me I had to be a lawyer. You know, I had like these these different expectations, external expectations. Um, I think, first of all, you have to let go of those. And it's really easy when you've been hearing things over and over, or when you're looking at society and you can really start to judge yourself or start to think that that's how you actually think. But I think the, the most important thing is to really you know yourself, you have to listen to your body. I, I did this thing where w during some of the exercises with you, we did these like where we would, um, you know, try and work against our, our beliefs, right? So like writing down something that's a false belief that you have um, about yourself and then burn that, let it go. It's like a ritual, but it's, it actually does do something, right? So letting go of those uh, self-limiting beliefs is a really good step. And then really, really listening to yourself. I ask myself questions and listen and try and listen to how my body feels about, is this what I should be doing? Is this what I want to be doing? So that's something that I've taken away from, from the course. So like really listen to yourself because inevitably you know the answers inside, you know who you are and you know what's important to you. It helps to get the guidance and clarity to sort of see that, but feel it out. You really have to feel it out and stop listening to outside voices. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that's really important is, at least for me, the, the, the having the social impact, find the thing that energizes you about your work, like find this something that you would do even if you weren't being paid. And I think finding that thing that you really love, when you when that aligns with, you know, what where you're going, you it does, you get the benefits, like, like you said, you know, you get the financial benefits, you get the energetic benefit, you get to really live your sort of like your best self because you you really you're really living in your truth of who you are and doing the work that's important um and a third tip i think i think what i would advise is all uh, is also just look at things differently um, like some of the work that I did with you looking at, okay, you might have this belief and maybe it's tied to what I already said, but like this belief about what, what's possible for you, you know, expand that because once you, once you, there are opportunities everywhere. If you, if you really start to look and believe that, you know, you can open up doors. And I think that's another thing that's, um, that I would advise people, which is a little bit fluffy and hard to say, but you know, once you start doing the work, it becomes more tangible. <laughs> Yeah, no, that yeah. search piece is the hardest piece for a lot of job seekers because mm -hmm. um, the default is to search for things that you've always done and to feel a lot of guilt like, oh, I'm not ready or I'm not good enough or I shouldn't look for that thing that I really want. I really should just stick to what I've done before. And mm -hmm. what you were saying is actually experiment in the search itself test the waters because you can be everybody is always surprised by the opportunities that are out there once they give themselves permission to expand yes. that search horizon yeah for sure so my last question for you marianne is like what happens from here i mean you've only been in this role for about six months but mm -hmm doing the work that you thought you would love and actually enjoying it, how do you see your career evolving? What happens next? Um, well, I was, um, 
I see. <laughs> I was just having this conversation about when I when I first joined, and I I really I feel like I have landed in this company that is like I found my tribe. Yeah. Like I remember one of the first meetings that I walked into. We had we there was like a ten minute meditation in a meeting on Zoom. <laughs> And that's something that I had never taken into like my professional life. You know, I thought it was just something that, you know, you, you keep it, you, you know, in your private life, but like walking into that and realizing that these people value the same things that I do. Yeah. I, I don't see myself going anywhere. <laughs> I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with Ikea yeah. um, because they, they really align with my values and so far, I mean, obviously I love it. I'm, I mean, it's been, it's been a great start for me so far, but I'm, I want to see how this plays out. So I'm going to stick around for a while and grow in this role. And then it's a great big company. So there are going to be lots of opportunities. I, most people I talk to have been here for many, many years, you know, 12, 13, 20 years. So there, there's opportunities for growth and, and to do different things. And Apparently, I'm somebody who likes to experiment and try different things. So I think there are lots of great opportunities for me in that. So interesting. So from your first consultation as, you know, an entrepreneur, wanting to become an entrepreneur to now becoming a company man. <laughs> what, a <trend. laughs> what a transformation, right? What about that entrepreneurial spirit? Are you going to have a side hustle? What are you thinking there? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think that's going anywhere. I think I'm definitely going to have a side hustle. I'm I'm working on a few things, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit on the side. I still want to create an organization where I'm going to be able to help create have some social impact. You know, I really want to focus on on women and, you know, create some economic opportunities for women in in disadvantaged groups. So that's something that I'm I'm trying to figure out the how and where, but yeah, we'll see. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure something's going to come together. Beautiful. And my takeaway from this, and this is what I say to a lot of clients and potential clients, that there's a lot of glamour right now around entrepreneurship and go start your own thing and coming out of the pandemic, you need to have multiple streams of income and so on. And there is there are kernels of truth in that, but <laughs> there is a value in having a predictable income in being part of a tribe of people that you connect with at work and you're all on a team working towards a mission. Entrepreneurship mm -hmm. is very lonely. Entrepreneurship can lead to loss of income. It can lead to financial ruin. It definitely leads to unpredictable income streams. And, there, and then there's the mentorship and the growth opportunities that happen in a great company as well. So I, I have to say that there are like getting a corporate career path is not necessarily a negative like a nine-to-five can be amazing if it's the right company too so yeah. i love that you've kind of brought that out in this conversation um you thought you wanted you thought you were done with corporate life you thought you wanted to be a full-time entrepreneur but then you found a tribe and a company that had your values and you see your future you see many years with that company not a yeah. story we hear yeah. enough these days <laughs> yeah that's that's very true I mean yeah entrepreneurship is great and it's it's shiny but yeah there is something good about finding people that you can build something together with so absolutely so with that yeah. thank you so much for being on the podcast Marianne I love having clients on 
And I hope that you have an amazing career with IKEA and with your entrepreneurial journey as well. Thank you so much. If you love this episode, remember to hit subscribe and leave us a review. And if you're a professional, executive, or entrepreneur that's interested in taking one of our coaching programs, head on over to soulcareer.com and sign up for a free consultation. We would love to hear from you.